Hello, and welcome to the Vivolution podcast. Since starting in late 2016, Vivolution has been creating inspiring events for the plant-powered generation. Each episode of this podcast will share with you stories and ideas told by plant-based thought leaders from the Vivolution stage. Before we get started today, we have something exciting to share with you. We've just announced that our showcase event, Vivolution Festival 2018, will be back for its third year and take place on the 10th of November at London's iconic British Film Institute on London's South Bank. This will be the biggest and best Vivolution to date. Tickets go on sale on the 13th of August and ticket pre-registration is now open at www.vivolution.co forward slash festival hyphen 2018. Seb and Amber are the founders of Brave. After leaving successful corporate careers in sales and marketing, they decided they wanted to create nutritious snacks for people changing the world. This was recorded at Vivolution Topics Entrepreneurs in 2018. Alright, so, hi everyone. Uh, I'm Seb, this is Amber, we're the founders of Brave, and uh, we just want to start by saying how excited we are to be here with such an amazing group of people, like-minded people, like-minded brands, all under one roof, so thank you so much, Damien, Judy, Vivolution, for bringing us all together. So, um, we're going to take the next 20 minutes or so, I know it's a bit late, so we'll, we'll try to whiz through this as fast as possible, but we're going to take the next 20 minutes or, go, or so to talk a little bit about our personal kind of vegan journey, um, how this led us to starting Brave, and then spend a fair chunk of time talking about some of the things that we wish that we sort of knew, I guess, when we were starting Brave, and kind of breaking down some of the elements of starting a food business, and then finishing off with a couple of the very, very, very many math lessons that we've learned along the way. Um, so we'll touch on a few things uh, there at the end. Uh, so firstly, um, my name's Amber, I'm yeah, the, the co-founder and uh, wife of Seb. Um, I grew up in Toronto with a, a family of animal lovers. We had, my mom volunteered at a cat shelter, we had tons of animals all, all, always around home and taking care of them and we, we really sort of, I guess at the time, failed to make the connection between the animals that we loved so much and the animals that we were sitting down to eat for dinner that night. And um, I never really felt comfortable eating animals, but it wasn't until about uh, nine years ago now that my whole perspective um, on that changed. I got really sick off a piece of meat. I was in and out of the hospital for uh, about uh, a week and came out and just was completely perplexed at how something could make me feel so sick and started looking into um, essentially how animals were raised, how animals were treated. I watched Earthlings, which was one of the, the kind of few great documentaries that was around back then, and instantaneously became vegan pretty much overnight. And that was, was about nine years ago, so it's been quite um, a journey uh, ever since, but it's been the most amazing uh, change that, that I've made within my life. So. so, as I said earlier, I'm Seb. Uh, I'm originally from Norway. I moved to Canada when I was 19. That explains the accent. Uh, <laughs> I first encountered veganism when I was a teenager. I was basically really into music, especially punk, uh, and there was a lot of bands who were talking about veganism either in their music or interviews, and that was kind of the hook that pulled me in. So I started looking into this stuff, got really fascinated by it. It's basically a personal choice based on compassion that was 
against the exploitation of animals for the purpose of our own taste buds. And so, you know, I started reading more about this and more, found about the horrible conditions in the slaughterhouses, all that kind of stuff. And unfortunately, as a teenager, I wasn't very good at sticking with things. So I had a couple of attempts that never really worked out. But in the back of my head, there was this little voice that went, you should go vegan, you should go vegan, you should go vegan. So when all this stuff happened with Amber, and we started talking about it, it was like, yeah, absolutely, I'm in. And since then, you know, I've never looked back. There's never been a voice in the back of my head that's gone, you should eat meat, you should wear leather, you should eat meat, you should wear leather. So, <laughs> so um, veganism didn't necessarily just limit itself to our kind of dietary choices. It spread to basically all parts of our lives. So it affected us in a way where we started looking at what we're consuming. Um, we started thinking about the impact we're having on the environment around us. And we also started thinking like, you know, what are we doing with our lives? We were working jobs where we were selling things we were, didn't necessarily believe in, and it wasn't, it wasn't making us happy. From the time we were both very young, we always wanted to start a business. So naturally all that stuff came together, and we thought, hey, we should start a vegan business. That makes sense. Problem was we had no idea how to start a business. <laughs> We didn't know like what none, we were going to make. No idea where to go. From none there. <laughs> whatsoever. We didn't know if anybody would be interested in buying what we were selling, but we were still so set on doing this. So for about a year, we worked full-time jobs while we were kind of pulling together the little bits and pieces that eventually became Brave. And to make a long story short, we launched Brave um, in July of, of last year, which we were really, really excited about because we worked so hard. And um, we launched a range of roasted peas. So there's three flavors. There's a, a paprika and chili, a garlic and chive, which I think um, hopefully you guys have maybe tried now on your, on your seats, and a sea salt. And um, we, we chose peas because we've been obsessed with pulses. Um, they were a huge part of our, our vegan diet. And uh, we wanted to find new and exciting ways of incorporating more pulses into people's diets. And the reason for that is that peas are basically amazing. They are literally a superfood. Our peas are high in protein, they're high in fiber, they have fewer calories and fat than popcorn. Um, and also really important to us is that peas are one of the most sustainable sources of protein on the planet. So our peas are grown, roasted, and packed within three hours of London. And peas um, actually require very little water, very little fertilizer to grow and um, actually fix nitrogen back into the soil. So they are literally a superfood. We believe, um, along with you know, tons of other businesses and, and institutions, that they're gonna be uh, a huge force in feeding the world's population over the next 50 years. So um, yeah, that's a little bit about peas and why we're so obsessed with them. Um, <laughs> and um, since launching in July, we've had some really amazing retail partners um, that we've met along the way and that we're uh, selling with and trading with now. So. Uh, a little bit um, about them at the bottom there, and shout out to the vegan kind. Um, we we were in their uh, veganuary box in uh, well, obviously in January of this year, and I have to say that was a huge element to really driving um, our business, driving our awareness within the vegan community. And it's just awesome to be able to partner with another vegan business to to do that. Um, and we're going to talk about mission a little bit more generally um, later on in the talk, but. For us, we just want to make it clear that we are not a company that happens to make vegan snacks. We are a vegan company that makes snacks and hopes to make other products in the future. Um, we want to be part of, as, as I'm sure a lot of you here tonight also do, and also are part of a movement to, um, make, to make plant-based eating mainstream. And that 
really, when we're looking at Braid, that's our vehicle to be able to do that. So we're really excited to, to be part of such an amazing movement. Right, so this, this uh, day is supposed to be about entrepreneurship. So what we wanted to do is basically talk about the major components uh, in starting a business. And we're by no means experts in this. You know, we've been going since July. Um, but that also means we've literally been through this process now. It's not like it's five years in the future and we're talking about something that happened way long ago. Uh, and we thought it might be useful for some of you who might be thinking about starting a business to hear some of, of you know, hear about these things and kind of how we approach them and what we've learned along the way. Uh, each one of these you could probably spend all day talking about. Uh, so what we're going to do instead is focus on the three key things around this to get you started at least. Okay, so the first, the first is around product. Um, this is first because it is the most important thing to get right. Um, we spent an enormous amount of time fooling around with recipes, um, looking at different peas, different sources of, of where to source our spices. Um, so it, it took a long time for us to, to get somewhere that we're not even still happy with and we're still iterating along the way. Um, in terms of product, you have to think about how you're going to make it, who you're making it for, um, and what you're going to make. And the first thing to do uh, in order to help you kind of come up with these, these ideas about what to do is, is to essentially educate yourself as much as possible on the industry or category that you want to get involved in. For all of you being here tonight, this is a huge step in the right direction in terms of just getting out there. And, and I, I went to basically every single talk on food. I spent a lot of time in the British Library looking at mental reports, trying to understand um, what, what were the trends, what were the big things that were coming down the pipeline, what was driving growth and declining in the categories. And I think um, the more knowledge that you can have about something that you want to do, the better decisions you're going to be able to make along the way. So I think that's probably, that's probably step one. Uh, step two is, is quite a difficult one um, in the industry of food, is, is finding people and partners that you can trust. Um, when you think about how you're going to make your product, um, if it's in your own kitchen or if it's in an industrial kitchen, um, it's slightly different because you have a little bit more control. Um, for us, we were experimenting in our kitchen and then we went kind of straight to looking for um, a larger supplier that could help us when we were thinking about scaling. And that process took about a year um, and three different trials with three different uh, big kind of businesses um, to, to see if our peas uh, could work on an industrial, not industrial, but on a bigger scale. Um, and it wasn't only just getting the recipes right, but it was also finding people that gave a crap about what we were trying to do. Um, it was trying to, I mean, the amount of men that I would call that wouldn't answer my calls, but that would answer Seb's calls, which was ridiculous. So you do, you do have to come up against different things. Um, but if you stick with it, we stuck with it for a year before we found somebody that believed in us that would work with us on minimum order quantities that was local and actually gave a crap about what we were trying to do. And the second, I think, well, so the third, as I've already sort of mentioned it, um, when you're thinking about your product, think about how it's going to scale. Um, it's really dif different when you're making something that's 100 units versus 100,000 units. So that was something that we needed to take into consideration um, quite early on, and it was a little bit of a difficult task. Cool. So the next thing you're going to focus on is, is building your brand. Uh, and branding used to be very simple. It used to be you have a logo or a name and you just put it on a product and that'd be it. Now it's a whole lot more complex. I think the easiest way for me to think about brand at least is it's this overarching mental image that people have of you whenever they engage with you. 
So that covers everything like obviously your logo, your name, but also your packaging, uh, how you engage with people on social media, how you write your backup pack copy, everything. You have to take all that into consideration. And that can be quite overwhelming. So we kind of broke it down into three elements, um, and I'm going to talk about those. So the first one is uh, your mission um, essentially should be at the heart of everything. Um, and your mission, we talked a little bit about ours, but essentially it should formulate, you know, why are you doing this? Why should people care? And if you can't figure this out for yourself, then odds are other people aren't going to care either if you can't communicate it to them. Uh, and if you can't do that, you're probably just going to be a commodity product. Um, you're not going to be able to differentiate yourself from the rest of your competitors. And that sort of brings me on to the next point. Uh, what are your other points of differences? So unless you're launching something that's never been done before, you probably have competition of some sort. And you need to figure out why you're better than them and be able to talk about that. And I don't necessarily mean that you, know, you should make huge lists of I'm better this way, that way, and, and a third way. Um, focus on two or three things. Um, if you are creating a plant-based alternative, I think you already have a leg up. You're plant-based. You know, they're a meat or dairy-based product. Um, that's already in and of itself a good story, but see if you can take that one or two steps further. The final point is around creating your own language. Uh, and by this, I mean a visual language as well as a tone of voice. Uh, it's really easy to look at the current market and basically try to copy the trends that are going on, but if you do that, you're gonna be relegated to just one of many. So figure out what makes sense for you. How do you wanna come across? Pull all of that together. Start looking at you know, how you want to use color, how you want to use shape, typography, um, how you want to write your backpack copy, you want to use humor, all that kind of stuff. Pull all that together in a mood board uh, and, and basically start getting a feeling for whether that's right and whether other brands could claim that exact same thing. Uh, once you've got all that, uh, unless you are a designer or you've worked in the, in, in the industry, um, I highly recommend that you work with uh, designer, freelance designer, or an agency, depending on how much money you've got or how much you want to take on yourself, uh, to help you with this, because it is quite difficult to figure out. There's a lot of technical elements to this that you got to get through, but it's all doable. Okay, sales. Um, so this is it's slightly more straightforward, I guess, than than looking at branding. But for us. Um, from a sales perspective, once you have a product and once you have a brand and you know what you want to talk about and you know how you want to engage, um, the next step is to think about where are your customers going to be able to buy you? Um, where are people going to actually think about picking you up? Um, and this can be, you can get super creative with this. You know, there's, there's tons of different avenues for um, where you can buy products nowadays. Uh, so from a wider perspective, look at the different channels. So for us, we had a look at traditional retail. So that's anything from independence um, all the way up to Tesco. Our second channel was the, the kind of uh, more faster moving channels like e-commerce and subscription boxes. Um, the third thing for us was around food service, so offices and universities. And then the fourth is around travel. So we kind of start out and said, okay, these, were, these are kind of the places where we think that Brave might be able to be bought at some point in the future. And the second step after you kind of figured that out is to, to think about where you want to launch your product. Where do you think the consumers um, or the customers that are going to be most switched on to what you're doing. These are the early adopter customers you really want to go after because if you can get them on board, then you have some success stories that you can share with the rest of your channels that you're trying to go after. So for us, we knew that peas was, was a little bit of a niche uh, product. Um, pretty much there's no real roasted peas available on the market um, at the time. And uh, we thought it was probably the best idea to focus on places like Planet Organic, As Nature Intended, Source Market, 
um, revital because that's really where a customer is quite switched on to health, they're quite switched on to new trends and sustainability. Um, and I guess once, you, once you've kind of identified the channels that you want to play in, the channel that you want to launch into because you think you're going to get fast success there, um, then comes the hard part, which is actually getting a buyer to give a crap about what you're trying to do. Um, this is probably the most difficult part of sales. And um, to paraphrase a, fan, a friend, um, you need to have a bit of enthusiastic hustle in order to get them to notice you. Um, so for us, we started with just sending out jars, literally, to buyers and a little handwritten note saying, hey, we're brave, this is what we're up to. Um, not too many people got back to us, to be honest, for a couple months. And then we started showing traction. We started saying, hey, this is what our brand's going to look like. We would send an email saying, this is our name, this is what we stand for, this is our ambition. And slowly but surely, um, people started getting back to us. Um, Planet Organic started getting back to us. As HR intended, um, I basically dropped our, uh, you know, on the, the first day that we had cases, I had been ignored for nine months. I dropped off the cases and, and said to, I called Sab and said, if they don't want us now, then they're never going to want us because I've been literally harassing them for nine months. And that day, the buyer got back to us, emailing, saying, you're listed, you're in. So I think it's, um, and even now we're getting ignored by so many buyers, but it's just, just because it's a no now doesn't mean, at least in my mind, just because it's a no now doesn't mean it's a no in three months. So just keep sending the emails, keep showing the little traction that you're getting and some stories or customer feedback, anything to, to show that you're, you're progressing, basically. So once sales have done their job and gotten product on shelf, it's marketing's job to then get product off of shelf and into people's hands. And uh, as a startup, you're not going to have massive distribution and you're not going to have massive budgets. And you need to keep that in mind when you're thinking about marketing. Uh, there's no point in you spending a whole lot of time, money, and effort on reaching people in places where they can't buy you. It's just, it's just wasted. So what you want to be is as targeted as possible. Um, the first thing you're going to want to figure out is who you're selling to. Uh, then you need to figure out where's the best place to reach them and then how to do that in the most efficient way. Uh, easiest way to do all that is to basically do a little bit of research. Start locally. Uh, go, go. To your, go to your store. That's better. Uh, go to your local store. Um, look at who's buying what. Look at who's buying your competition. Maybe even uh, chat to the store staff, see what they think about your product offering, other people's products offering, and start aggregating that data. Uh, when we first launched, uh, for many months, we did all the sampling ourselves. So we were in-store handing out samplings for hours at a time. And we basically did that so we could get in front of people and talk to them. You know, we'd get some rejections. Other people would love it. And when we get that immediate feedback, that now lets us make decisions on what it, what it is that we're doing. And we keep tweaking. We've, every time we do a production batch, we keep tweaking and tweaking the flavors. More salt, less salt. More paprika, less paprika. So it's, it's a helpful exercise, I guess, to not just launch when you have a perfect product, but to also iterate along the way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then the next thing is figure out where you're going to talk to these people. Uh, the most obvious answer here is, is within the store. It's the easiest place. It's where people make their decisions. But get a little creative. Think about other places they might be hanging out. Events are great places where like-minded people come together. <laughs> um, social online, they have great tools for kind of uh, targeting people, figuring out you know, who fits together based on their activities, on their interests, all that kind of stuff. Think about it laterally. It doesn't have to be a place or a thing. There's other brands out there. They appeal to your uh, customer in the same way, and they're not competitors. So maybe you can work together with them in a way that benefits both of you. Uh, the final point I want to make here is just around the kind of mentality to have with all of this. And that's 
constantly test and learn. So first of all, educate yourself on all these channels. There's so much information out there on YouTube. Uh, just even Google it. Yeah, we're learning literally every day. We haven't yeah. got to any of it pretty much. But, but at the same time, don't let that fully hold you back. Start somewhere, start small, uh, support a small event, work with a micro-influencer, create some basic content, just put it out there, do something, learn from it, see what metrics you're getting back. If it's doing something good for you, if it's reaching those targets that you have, put more money on it, double down on it. Uh, if it's not, adjust it, kill it, and move on. And the more you do this, the better you're going to get at it. You're not going to be fantastic from the start, but you're going to get better and better and better. Okay, cool. So just um, three or four final kind of quick lessons to leave you guys with. Um, the first is to take steps every single day and to start as early as you possibly can. Um, this is definitely my own advice. I should have been taking my own advice because I sat on tons of different ideas about starting a vegan business. And it took, that was probably about five years ago where I first thought like, okay, this is something that we're going to do. And the reason that it took me so long to actually do anything is because I was constantly comparing my silly infant ideas to these like fully fledged brands that had been in the market for three years and had no idea how to get from where I was to where they are. And I just kept stressing out about that fact. And that, that stopped me from actually doing anything. It just, I was just kind of sitting in my own little world thinking about these ideas. Um, and it wasn't until I got some really good advice that said, if you have any problem, just break it down into these little channels like we just did with you know, product, marketing, branding. Break, break it down, everything that you need to do into small little parts, and then take small steps every single day to tick one of those elements off your list. Um, and that's the only way that we actually started. So I literally started throwing things in the oven, um, sealing them up in little baggies with a hair straightener, writing the date on it, seeing, like doing random shelf life tests. I had no idea what I was doing or why I was really doing it. Just do something to, to move it forward. Um, and then one thing will lead to the other and it will have a snowball effect, but it just takes time, but just start today and, and, and go for it. Uh, when you get started, um, you're probably going to get torn in about a million different directions. And if you're a single founder, or even if you're a, two, a team of uh, two or three people, you are in charge of everything. That means, obviously, sales, marketing, branding, all the stuff we talked about. But things like logistics, operations, accounting, admin, like the list every day just goes on and on. Uh, it is really fun, though. <laughs> I promise. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, there's going to be all kinds of opportunities and problems that are going to come up from that. And it's really easy to get distracted and lose focus of what it is that you're doing. And, and that's going to be overwhelming for you. Uh, and it's not going to lead to anything good. So every once in a while, it's important to take a little bit of a step back and rethink what is actually going to drive the business forward and what's just noise. It means sometimes saying no to things and letting other things fail, but that's fine because it's better for you to be really good at three things, do them really well, than to do 10 things poorly. Okay, um, this is all, I guess, just a, something that I did when I, we were first starting out was just basically talking to everybody and anyone that would grab a coffee with me. Um, LinkedIn has been my best friend for a long time in terms of being able to figure out um, who buyers are, but also um, who other entrepreneurs are. Um, and LinkedIn is a great way to just reach out to people and see if they might be up for grabbing a coffee. Um, I think with the world of food, and especially the world of veganism, people are really open to helping other small businesses. And there was a number of businesses that we met with, like, um, like Moju, Ugly, Pippa Nut, that we, when we were just really an idea, they still were able, and they were still open to kind of sitting down for 15 minutes and just having a chat. 
So definitely don't you know, suffer in silence. Definitely start reaching out to people. Um, go, to, go to these people with a list of questions that you have. But also don't forget to let them talk because um, there are a load of things, and we figured this out really quickly, there are a load of things that you know that you don't know. And that's the things that you can ask questions about. But there are also a ton of very scary things that you don't know you don't know. And letting an entrepreneur kind of just tell their story and tell about the pitfalls and, and some of the things that they experienced, their story will be super different than anyone else you talk to. But gathering up those little nuggets of information, little pitfalls that they've had along the way are going to hopefully stop you from making the same mistakes. Because that's, that's the scariest bit is coming across things that you just weren't prepared for. And that's the hardest bit sometimes to get over um, within business. All right, so, so last point here is around having a purpose. Uh, starting a business is a constant roller coaster. There's really good days and then there's really bad days. I, I mean, you know, I think every single presentation here talked a little bit about how difficult it can sometimes be. And there are those days where you don't really want to get out of bed. And the only thing that's really going to drive you out of that is having that purpose at the heart of it. Seeing that objective at the end of the line, it's going to make everything else look insignificant. So keep that in mind. Keep going for it. We just want to end on fortune definitely favors the brave. Um, so we, yeah, we're seven months in now. Um, we quit our jobs about um, just over, a, yeah, almost a year and a half. Um, and I'm telling you, for anyone that is, has started a business, you are amazing and congratulations because it is the hardest thing in, in the world. For anyone that is thinking about starting a business, absolutely do it. You know, there is no, there's no better way to spend your time and to spend your life than on something that you're truly, truly passionate about. You're gonna run into so many difficulties along the way and it is sometimes gonna feel like impossible and you have no idea how you're gonna get out of a situation. But I truly, truly believe that it is one of the most important things that you can do with your one single precious life. So um, yeah, that's it from us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vvolution podcast. If you enjoyed this talk, please leave us a favourable review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Until the next time, take care and we'll look forward to seeing you soon.